Sites, all new with Wanda Sites. Plus, Beth Bears from the neighborhood. Try to keep it down low, because Clint Eastwood is our neighbor, and he goes to bed right around now. Ellen, new season today at 3 on NBC5. Tonight, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, tonight, only on NBC5. Blog Talk Radio. Ready? We got we got something happening this weekend that might be of interest to people. Yeah, what up, boys? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, we can hear you. Oh wow! Technology is great. I love I love fun. vibranium. Uh, hi everybody. Tertio Radio. Uh, big stuff happening, and technology continues to confound me. It's your boy three K at three K underscore. Here for another lovely night of Tertio Radio. On with my boy Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, big Rob? Good evening, sir. We got jerk number one on with us, Joey O. That's at LA Rams Rams Rams. What's up, sir? What's going on, jerk? Happy Thursday night. Oh man, Baker Mayfield day. I, I know it's yeah. late. It's, um, it's throwing me off my uh, my game. It's uh, my, my podcast pile up. Yeah, Baker. Baker rounds his first yeah. win in his debut, a fourth quarter comeback. Um, interesting stuff. I, d- I did want to mention something randomly. I had some Asian food, some bok choy tonight. We've never talked about Asian food on the podcast. And Joey, you live in LA. Rob, you guys live in Seattle. You guys have some phenomenal Asian culinary cultures out there. What what is, what is your favorite Asian cuisine? What's your favorite Asian dish dinner? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some people mad here. I'm gonna say I'm not a sushi guy. I live in a city oh. that has some great sushi. People it love it here, yeah. and you know, right on the water, it comes in fresh. We have uh, we have a big international district, which is basically a, uh, a Chinatown. We've got some great Japanese places here. Uh, I don't I don't do the sushi. Um, I don't I don't I don't eat bait. It's just how it is. I don't I don't I don't eat bait. Uh, and mm. not like Brandon Bait, but bait B A I T. But as far as my Asian goes, I'm, I I love me some Vietnamese. We've got uh, one of my favorite little places is called Greenleaf. It's uh, a little tiny hole in the wall. It seats about uh, maybe 15 people on a on a, on a on a good day, but they make they make some good some good eats. So I love me some Vietnamese. How about you, Joey? Love Vietnamese. Well, um, yeah, man, I uh, I'm a huge sushi guy. I um, always get the at the restaurant I order it from, the 88 Chinese. It is called the Philly roll, 
and it's oh, cream cheese, roll. salmon, and yeah, the, I don't know if you know, it's cream cheese, salmon, and avocado, and a little roll. Had it many times. And, you, uh, like the, you like the cream cheese rolls? I'm not big on the cream cheese rolls. You know what? And I know that people are not really into it, but for some reason, it just it's like a it's just a strike right down the middle for some reason. I just had it for once, and I'm like, I will be ordering these for the next 20 years. <laughs> I just I just really like it. <laughs> but um, also, I just wanted to talk about real quick that restaurant, um, Major Domo, which is in Los Angeles. It's like one of uh, superstar chef uh, David Chang. David uh, Chang, of course. David Chang. Yeah. And uh, it's it's more you know it's it has a very eclectic menu, but. Um, I went there a couple months ago, and I think everything I had, I was like, this is the best version of this type of food I've ever had before. Um, it was it was pretty ridiculously good. So, um, yeah. Uh, how about you, Joe? What's your favorite? Is it is it bok choy? Oh, man. I, lo- I love a bok choy. I love, my daughter loves bok choy more than I did. I've done uh, two David Chang's. I did uh, his place in uh, his original Noodleboro in New York City, and then uh, his place in yeah. D.C. when he opened it up in City Center. They're phenomenal. Um, but I've also been to the milk bars. I'm not into the desserts, so I guess that counts, even though it's Christina Tosi. But in terms of Asian, man, there's a lot that I can do. I can do the Viet. I can do the Thai. I can do Korean, Korean barbecue, yep. Korea, Korean fried chicken. Yeah, you can do the American Chinese takeout. I love some crappy takeout, a good crappy oh, yeah. mein. Love it. General Sal's chicken. Love some General Sal's, some sesame chicken, Will you orange have chicken. Dumplings. Yeah, I'm not dumpling. Dumpling. Hook me up with the dumpling. Come on, get out of here. Yep. Shumai, some bao. No, I love, I I love Asian food. Right. Uh, dim sum? Well, dim dim sum. Love, and I dim love sum. dim sum. I can get down with dim sum all damn day. I will say this. My daughter does the, uh, I don't know if it's scallions or chives, but it's like tons of chives and, or scallions, ginger, and little flecks of like shrimp and pork, and they stink, and I think they're disgusting, and she loves them, and it's very strange. One time we went to Target after dim sum. She had gotten two extra that she couldn't finish a dim sum, and we let her take it home in a takeout box. We, ca- we got back from Target, and we got in the car, and I was like, yo, what does, what does that smell? So everybody's like, I don't know. And we're like, I think – did a bird or like a squirrel get in the hood? I popped the hood because I thought maybe an animal had gotten in there and like got fried by the engine. I was like, yo, it, something is dead. And after like 15 minutes, we realized it was her dumplings. And we were like, nope, never again. We're not doing this. You can eat them there, but we're not taking them with them. That's pure nasal poison. Um, yeah. But yeah. They, they could do some damage on the fridge, man. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but I absolutely love it. And I, I had some tonight. I was making this Thai, that Pagra Prao, and I was like, man, we've never talked about Asian food. And I know these guys have some Asian food insights, and obviously you guys did. Um, we've got a big game against the Los Angeles Chargers coming up on Sunday uh, with a very short week thereafter. The Minnesota Vikings coming to L.A. next Thursday. But before we get to the game stuff, we had to start with what's been the dominant discussion this week on the Internet on Rams Twitter. Which oh, has been about fire. two words, or I guess one word and one acronym. Is QB an acronym? I guess it counts. You can have a two-letter acronym, right? Um, it's been about whether or not Jared Goff is a quote-unquote system quarterback, a system QB. And I, don't, I couldn't find out where this really came from. So I don't know if you guys know what the synthesis of the, the genesis of this was. I don't know where it started. But yesterday, both Sean McVay, Rams head coach, and Jared Goff himself, the quarterback, were asked about it, and it kind of took off. Uh, and, and Joey, since you had the piece up on Tertial Times about it, talking about, you know, pro football focus ranking him 18th, and you're, you're a big Goff stand, I wanted to let you get in first. What did you think about this discussion and kind of where Rams internet is with Jared Goff right now heading into week three? 
Well, I think it really goes down to how many touchdowns were scored in week one and week two of the season. It's, it's, it's set a record. And uh, I think that you see guys that are throwing four touchdowns, six touchdowns a game with Patrick Mahomes. Sure. And I think you get Rantan going, you're getting a little greedy because the team's so good. And then you look like we should also have a perfect quarterback, like a one in a right. generation talent. That's what we need. Right. And I think with these highlights, they're not, you're not seeing, if someone's just watching just a bite-sized bit of the game, you're not seeing these rad highlights with Jared Goff um, smoking touchdown passes. Like you're not seeing these heroic moments of people like, yeah, okay, well, he's fine. He's, he's Alex Smith. He's Joe Flacco. Like he's Andy Dalton. And I think, you know, our Slack was kind of getting hit with that. And I think uh, one of the guys who was talking about that, he's like, man, like if we just had Mahomes, like we'd be scoring 50 points a game. Because I think there's this, this super teams kind of thing that happens in the NBA, and I just don't think it really happens in the NFL. And uh, but for some reason, there's this like weird expectation now that we're being held back by Jared Goff. And um, time will tell. But I think it's it's that question of like, is a system quarterback good enough with this team? And is that even fair? I don't think it's fair. I think he's better than that. But um, I think people are really just jumping to the conclusions now. People are really putting a stamp on exactly the quarterback that Jared Goff is like in week two, like this is it, like this is the ceiling. And I think, I don't think it is, but what do you guys think? What is, what is you know, a system quarterback? That's my question. I was just gonna say, you, you mentioned like Patrick, you, you mentioned Mahomes, you know, come out with a 10 touchdown and Goff only has three. Uh, but you know what? Kareem Hunt has one, uh, zero rushing touchdown, the one receiving touchdown and Todd Gurley uh, has three and one. So, you know, you have you have other touchdowns on this team other than you know through the air, but as far as you know the what is a system quarterback thing, uh, our own Sosa has been banging this drum in, drum in our internal Slack channel, and uh, you know he terms it as you know a guy who could just come in and do the same thing Jared Goff is doing like he you know Andy Dalton you don't need Jared Goff Andy Dalton could come in and do the exact same thing maybe even better than Jared Goff well I would hope so he's been in the league a lot longer. Uh, but you know the whole system. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy it. It's like you know what? If if you want to call Jared Goff a system quarterback and he's winning, I'll take a system quarterback all damn day. Now, if your system quarterback sucks and he's losing, that's a different story. But if if Jared Goff is such a system quarterback, does that mean Sean Mannion's going to come in and have the same success? You know, just plug him in. Anybody, the whole idea started about a week ago, right, with uh, Bill Barnwell's article. Uh, the hypothetical. About, yeah, some team eventually, and Rams fans kind of and bait kind of ran with this, but will some team eventually take their cheap quarterback who's coming up on their deal and move them for draft picks, and uh, and um, you know try to just keep rolling with it if your if your if your coach is a big quarterback guru, right? So. That's that's where they started plugging it. Well, maybe we could just move Goff before we have to pay him thirty million dollars and get two or three first round picks for him, and we'll just go get another quarterback and he'll come in and do the same exact thing for Goff. You know, anyone can run Sean McVay's system because he's such a you know a genius. He did it with Kirk Cousins and he did it with Goff and was terrible with with Fisher, and now he's great. So we just we just keep trading him for draft picks and not have to pay a quarterback and get to pay all these other positions, and that's kind of where this thing started. And then it rolled into you know pro. Football focus this week, you know, saying you know, is Goff a system quarterback and and all that nonsense. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, if I think Kurt Warner even had a tweet today talking about you know, this is kind of nonsense. Yep. You know, every, yeah. every 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 coach should have a system, and you try to find a guy. Your your you, your coach should make a system that makes your guy successful. So, um, you know, 
I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not on board with the whole system quarterback thing. If he's winning and he's a system QB, just like Goff said, that's fine. I'll be a system QB. Just put those W's on my resume. Yeah, I, here's I what they actually. Oh, go ahead, oh, Joe. No, I was just gonna let, let me read the quotes and then I, you can take it. But here's what McVay said on people calling golf a product of a system and how much having golf allows him to do within a system. And this is what McVay said. I mean, Jared is the one making the plays. It's our job as coaches to try to put him in position, but our players make the plays. I think that's a total discredit to him and all the different things that he's doing. I mean, he's making the throws. He's making the calls at the line of scrimmage. He's making the calls in the huddle. So I think it's our job as a coaching staff to collaborate and try to put together plans on a weekly basis that give our players a chance to have success. But ultimately, I know this. You're a lot better coach when you're working with players like Jared Goff, and I re- feel really fortunate to work with him. His growth over the last couple of years, his ability to be able to be unfazed by things, whether they be good or bad throughout the course of a game, his ability to make all the throws, you can change the launch point with him. He recognizes, I think he's got a great feel for the game. So the possibilities, you're not limited in a way that you can utilize him in any way. And because of his overall poise and confidence in his demeanor, it helps me too. I'm a little wired if you guys didn't know that. So I think his even keeled demeanor during the game is actually helpful for me. And I think it's a nice compliment. He's done a great job and I'm lucky to work with players like him. Uh, In terms of golf himself, when he asked about that idea of a system and whether he's the product of it, he said, yeah, I'll be a product of the system. If we win games as much as I want, we just continue to go out there and keep playing, keep putting up 30 points and people can call me whatever they want. I feel like I'm just continuing to develop and continuing to get better as time goes on. I hope to continue to get better and keep learning from Sean McVay, of course, and keep trying to be the best leader and quarterback. I- what are you going to say, Joe? Well, I was just going to say this concern about him, like, getting this huge contract that's just going to be ridiculous and too much, like $30 million or whatever. Right. And, and, and that's, I think that's confusing that if everybody's talking about how disappointed they are in his play and how Jared Goff sucks and he's not good enough to be our quarterback, then why would he be able to get that much money? Because there's been number one draft picks like Alex Smith, for example, when he got his next yeah. contract. I mean, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't the record setting biggest contract because Sure. His value was known at the time. And I think right now we're still early on really discovering exactly what the market value of Jared Goff is. I think I, I, I don't I don't think that the uh, the price is set in stone on that for a minute. And I just think it's so weird that we're so co- we're so concerned about how much money he's gonna want to make next year or the year after that. That, you know, as far as to me a system quarterback is is a slight and it kind of feels like it's somebody that sure. is a, like a journeyman quarterback that just like goes in there like your Jake DeLome guy and he'll have like a season or two but that's all he's going to get and he's just going to be traveling around and never really make a career out of it and um I just I think I don't know it's it, it's weird that, that that's where we are right now that we're just kind of nitpicking this sort of like future hypothetical um sure I think he, his stats aren't bad. If he was having three interceptions a game and he was only like throwing for like 100 yards, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this guy's trash. But he's not playing like trash. It's just, I don't know why he's being treated like it. It's, it's interesting fair. because. Go ahead, Joe. 
I was just going to say, I, I, I just don't know what system QB means. I think that's part of the problem is that it, it's clearly intended to demean somebody, right? Joe Curley obviously used the right word. It's a pejorative where people are trying to use it to say that a quarterback maybe isn't as good as we think, but it, it, it doesn't really have a defined meaning. And the other thing I think is strange about it is you only say somebody's a system quarterback when they have a system that supports them. Nobody says a system quarterback about a guy on a city team with bad wide receivers, right? And part of, I think part of what they're saying is that Jared Goff is only good because of his surrounding players. I don't know that that's true, but I think it's I think part of what Rams fans could do to, to maybe – I don't, I don't know that it would lessen the whole system QB thing, but, but part of what I think a lot of Rams fans are struggling with is to acknowledge that the offensive line wide receivers and Todd Gurley as a unit are awesome. And, and that's, a, that's a perfect supporting cast to raise a quarterback in. That doesn't make Todd Gurley, uh, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff a system quarterback, I don't think, but it definitely makes it the best kind of environment to raise a quarterback, the kind that we didn't have when we took Sam Bradford number one overall a year ago. Is it fair yep. to say – that the jury is still out on Jared Goff because, you know, he only did it for one year and this is a big year for Jared. He's got some, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to see what's how he responds against a much tougher schedule. We need to see yeah. him. Joe and I were talking about this before we came on tonight. You know, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield has as many fourth quarter comebacks as Jared Goff. One Goff and Goff's fourth quarter comeback last year was with 10 minutes to go in Tennessee. So it wasn't, you know, he hasn't had that, that defining moment where he's let his team down uh, for the win in the final moments, or whatever. But you know what? We also were saying that's because they've been, you know, they've been ahead by 20 points most of these games. And yeah, there's a couple of sure. there where they didn't do it, but he hasn't had as many opportunities under Sean McVay to have fourth quarter comes back because you know he's been <laughs> he's been taking a near hand. Look at the last two weeks. Brown. Right. Yeah. Look at the last uh, two weeks. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of that there, but it's. It's a big year for Jared Goff, no question. We need to see, we need to see how he handles the season. Is it a duplicate of last season? I would take that. Is there a regression against better teams since we play, you know, a first place schedule? We'll see. But so, I, I also think that to your question on what's a, a system quarterback, I think it's a a way to demean what he's done and give all the credit to Sean McVay. You know, Sean McVay certainly deserves the lion's share of it for, you know, changing the system, changing the culture there. Uh, giving him the coaching, but you know he he has to respond. He still has to go out there and pull the trigger. Uh, Sean's not throwing the ball. Sean, Sean's not, you know, Sean's not doing it all by himself. Um, so I, I think you have to have to take that with a grain of salt. I, I mean, Sean McVay certainly is is the most responsible person for the turnaround from the Jeff Fisher era to what we've got now. But um, you know, and Goff does have a lot of weapons. I do think that he does deserve some credit for you know bouncing back from being god awful. In the seven or eight games we saw him under Fisher, to being pretty damn good last year—not great, but pretty damn good—and uh, that's not all. That's not all, Sean McVay. I mean, someone has to actually, you know, take to the coaching. Um, if that's the case, then you can, sure. you can put Sean Mannion in, like I said before, and he'll have the same results, right? So, give give Goff some credit. I had an idea of like what would a fun rivalry would be after watching that game tonight with with Baker Mayfield and seeing how when he came into that game, the whole the stadium, everything just kind of changed. And it was kind yeah. of the opposite of, of what, what's happening with Goff. I mean, here's a guy that's kind of coming in. He has just this certain charisma. The opposite of what McVeigh was saying when he's talking about Goff, where he's like, oh, he's a calm presence. I mean, he's the understated, um, even keel guy. And Baker Mayfield yeah, that's, jumping that's up not and Baker. down like, with his hands yeah. up. They would be such an interesting, if they became like this rivalry through the years, it would be like a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird type thing. 
with um, Goff Kate, the Larry Bird character, um, I think I think they would be kind of I, I want to see them match up against each other. I want to see if if um, how Jared Goff stacks up against a guy like Baker Mayfield. I, I, I think it's gonna be fun to see him kind of return to a quarterback where he is. He's like the guy in LA. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, we've got a ton of great young quarterbacks. I will say this, the quarterback labor pool across the NFL is better than it's probably been maybe in my lifetime. Robbo, obviously, you got a little bit yeah. more experience than me. But if you look across the NFL, the quarterback pool is really, really good. If you go back 10 years ago, people were talking about why aren't there any good quarterbacks coming out of college. Now you've got teams – I mean, look at Arizona. I know we can talk about Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon, but they're three quarterback deep. There are teams that uh, the Ravens had RG3, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, and you know th- there's a lot of quarterback talent in this league right now. I think that's really fun in terms of the dynamics, like what you're talking about, Joey. Here, here's my question, and uh, you know, I'll be, let me be definitive so I can say this on the record and we got this sound clip. I, I love having Jared Goff. I'm excited for his development. I love his potential. I, I, I think he can t- develop into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think there's nobody better than Sean McVay to do it, and I think we've surrounded him with the right cast to do it. Something I've been thinking about, uh, the 2020 season, assuming that we hit him with the fifth-year option, will be the final year of his rookie career. After week eight, he will have surpassed the halfway point for that rookie contract. At, at which point do we stop talking about his potential or his development or the idea that he's a young quarterback and start kind of accepting who he is for better or for worse? I, and I don't mean, you know, obviously PFF ranks him 18. There's some recency bias in terms of how we're framing him. But if, if, if Jared Goff, let, let's say if it stopped now, if Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback that he is now, I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. Right. The the Rams can still win a ton of games, probably even win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as good as he is right now. I just wonder, everybody's leaning into this hypothetical of Jared Goff becoming somebody than what he is. And that's totally possible. But I do wonder when we stop doing that, if only because we're getting closer to that point. I I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere in the future that's getting closer every game. It it could be the end of this season. I mean, it also feels to me like, his biggest problem right now is accuracy. And if he continues to be inaccurate and he just keeps underthrowing and overthrowing guys and he just can't get the timing right, after a while it's going to yeah. become a, a huge topic of discussion with everybody. And, and I'll definitely turn on him after a while too. I mean, he's kind of like, I, I'm just, I, I'm hoping that he's going to kind of uh, sharpen everything up. But I, I would say the end of the season is when I could feel like, okay, this is kind of who we have. Interesting. Uh, what would, I'm what, on board with what yeah, I'm on board with the end of the season. I'm going to see you know two years in the same system with McVay. Uh, I think we'll have a good idea of what Jared Goff is. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Give me give me the end of this year. I want to see how we. I want to see how he responds against you know better competition and more expectation and a second year in the same system. Uh, you know, we should we should know what Jared Goff is and if if he is what he is and you know like you said you can win a you can probably win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff as long as you have you know the roster you've got with him like to, you know Gurley. Offensive player of the year is Gurley. It wasn't Jared Goff, and that's fine. You don't have to be better than the offensive player of the year. You don't have to be Aaron Rodgers to win with that. You you can be Eli Manning. You can be Joe Flacco uh, and, and win a Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, Nick Foles. Not every, Nick Foles. You don't have. I mean, there's yep. there's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers for a reason. They are special because they're unique. But not everyone is that way. You you can win. You can win with good. That's okay. Jared Goff's good. He's going to get better. We all believe it. 
Let's do it. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Los Angeles Chargers coming up north. Sunday. Uh, the 110. Sunday. 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 See, that's the thing is when people say that, it's always like that joke of like, haha, that's what the monster trucks say. No, they actually say it. Yeah. It was a commercial about 20 minutes ago on my television. Uh, I got to love North Texas. Um, Los Angeles Chargers coming up to the Coliseum. This is going to be a fun game. Biggest challenge we've had thus far. I think the first place I want to start with is the decision between Jamon Brown and Austin Blythe. And not necessarily – I mean, we, we, we can do the roundtable on whether or not we agree with it. I guess we should. I'm down to stick with Austin Blythe. I have no problem keeping him in there. But I do think it's strange how easily people have moved on from Jamon Brown. And I'm, I'm not sure what it is about that in a way that's different from, say, Mark Barron or other guys that miss some time and get replaced adequately – but everybody's just down to keep that guy out. It's it, nothing against Austin Blythe. He's played fine, but I would, I, I should have pulled it. I need to pull it. Remind me to pull it tomorrow. I would guess that probably what 85%, 90% of people uh, want to keep Austin Blythe in the lineup. And I find that disparity really interesting. And I'm not sure why that's the case. I wonder if it's how people don't totally understand exactly how the offensive linemen do their job and what makes one a little bit better than the other one. It was a wide receiver. You can kind of see it like, oh, the drop pass, but it's kind of hard to judge unless they're giving up sacks for sure. But to see the nuances right. between the difference between these two guys, I mean, I just don't know. I think people are like, oh, let's just go with a hot hand, the guy that's, that's doing good now. Yeah, and it's interesting because the offensive line is playing so damn good. Uh, I think it was Pro Football Focus listed, ranked them third in the NFL over two games. And I, I don't see anything wrong with the performance of play, even in those rankings. What was really interesting was the lowest guy they had ranked was John Sullivan at center and, as our lowest-ranked offensive lineman. And he was the highest lowest-ranked offensive lineman of any team in the NFL. Every other team had a guy ranked lower than he was. There's no real weak point in the line right now. And, and so it's not that, you know, you drop Austin Blythe because Jamon Brown deserves a spot back. It's more that the Rams got to see Austin Blythe from May of 2017 to August of 2017. And they still decided to keep Jamon Brown as the starter and kept him all year. If you go back a year before, even in week one, Jamon Brown didn't start in 2016. So there was something about his game that the previous regime picked up on that they weren't really comfortable with. That wasn't the case last year. Jamon Brown started all year, and I just I think it's strange that people have jumped off of Jamon Brown for whatever reason. Again, you know he didn't play great. I get that, but it's strange that uh, as a starter and as much experience as he has, people have really leaned into the last two weeks. I think Robbo, we got you back on the line. We lost you for a second. What what is your feeling on the Jamon Brown Austin Blythe decision? Uh, well, I mean, I get why people are doing it because. Pro, you know, pro football focus is everyone's midweek candidate. Oh, how they give, guys they do? give you a they number. They, were, they reduce yeah. all of football down have to a, a quantifiable number. something. So I mean, it's like, wow, he's he had a 75, and you know, Jamal Brown was a 73 over 16 games last year. Beautiful. You know, Block is a 77, so he's better. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's the new power rankings thing for me. I mean, there's some truth to it, but if you ask, if you look at players like Chris Long, hates pro football focus. Um, yeah, they're not the end all be all. It's it's a it's one tool. It's one way of looking at something. Um, but you know when they come out and it shows you know Austin Blythe in game one was the highest rated guard in all of the NFL. Well, he's automatically better than JB. Um, I'm down with keeping Austin Blythe in there just for continuity's sake. He's not playing poorly. You keep the continuity going. 
and he's under contract. That's the other thing is that right. you know, he's still he's under contract and Jamal Brown is free agent next year. So maybe you, you go with the guy who's younger, under contract longer, and you, you let him kind of take it and go forward and, and let, you know, put Jamal Brown out there as a, uh, you know, thanks, we'll see you later kind of situation. Yeah. That's We'll have to yeah. see. One thing, one, thing, one thing that's interesting is Rob Havenstein, remember they jumped out and got him under that extension last month. They haven't done that for Roger Saffold and, and Jamon Brown, and I'm interested the longer this goes on, the likelihood that both of them uh, find a new team in 2019. You were going to say something, Joe? I was just I was wondering what the trade value is for Jamon Brown right now. Would that be um, – yeah. It wouldn't really hold too much that he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, right? Like, I know that's usually something you do in the off season, but like in week three, is that, is that, is that, I know they're trading guys right now, but I don't know if that would be a bad idea or not, but um, I know people It'd be need interesting. Yeah, and, and he's got some versatility. He played tackle in college. He's played guard ever since he came to the Rams, but I, I, I do wonder whether or not the Rams are going to need some offensive line depth. He got some injuries. We can move on to that next. You were going to say something, Rob? Yeah, I was going to say the almost same thing. Um, just the idea that, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind because of Saffold's age and prior injury history. Uh, well, why wouldn't you just hold on to that guy? And, you know, even even though you get nothing for when he walks next year, uh, if you have a Super Bowl run in your mind, you might want to keep that depth around. Yeah, and we'll have to see. Um, injury report-wise, I just posted the Thursday injury report. They downplayed most of the concerns that it normally raised. We're looking pretty good overall. We know Greg Zerline's going to need a couple more weeks. Mark Barron uh, did not practice today. He didn't practice all last week, but was upgraded from out to doubtful against um, uh, the Cardinals. So I, I, it may be something similar this week where if he doesn't practice, he's still doubtful. Doubtful is supposed to represent a 75% chance that a player doesn't play. If he's listed as questionable, that's supposed to be a 50-50 uh, there is no other designation since they changed it uh, a couple of years ago. So we'll have to see what he gets listed as. What will be different is if he does practice tomorrow, that could change things. The other two major concerns Rams fans might have had was from Michael Brockers and John Sullivan. Brockers was limited today. Sullivan did not practice, but McVeigh said that uh, he fully expected them to be able to play on Sunday. His quote was, it's not anything that we expect to affect their ability and availability on Sunday. It's just more kind of being safe. So overall, not, not anything shocking the way that obviously losing Zerline is shocking, but maybe what might be shocking is we get to go back to our old friend, old, old Sam Ficken. Oh, old mother Ficken Sam Ficken. Um, man, are you guys as worried as I am? I'm worried. Uh, I mean, I'm not – I'm not looking forward to Sam picking from drilling one from 55 yards on the, on the, on the dirt and like the infield in Oakland, like Jeezy did in week one, but you know, getting within 40 yards. I'm a, I mean, I'll go. he settled down after he had his initial struggles I and mean, he was a, yeah, he was first a reason why they lost bad. the playoff game, right? He, he kind of settled uh, into that role. I'm okay with Sam from 40 in, uh, 55 or out. I, I think you, you just like Johnny Hecker, do, Johnny Hecker does. What you think, Joe? Uh, yeah, I, I don't like it. I mean, I think I'm worrying also about the future where what's going on with Greg Zerline, where he's had two uh, two injuries in the past 12 months. Um, I just hope that, you know, he kind of comes back in, I don't know, three to six weeks, and he goes for the rest of the season, he's okay, because, I mean, Sam Ficken is, is, is just, 
he's a replacement. And I think he's going to be okay. But I mean, when we get to these important games, you need to have a kicker that can kick. Sam Pickens a system kicker. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, system kicker. Uh, I think I think the fun. biggest thing with Sam Pickett, it's it's not so much that I worry about him, you know, re- replicating that first game where he missed what was his? I forget the field goal. It was super short, and then he missed oh. an extra point, and it was like, oh god, we're doing this. It's it's more that Greg Zerline gives you such. Confidence in the game that that you're going to make kicks from 50 that you've got a shot at hitting a 60 yard field goal that 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 you can use that kind of a weapon that most teams don't have and that's gone. Uh, I think the best you can hope for is that he's reliable at what 45 and in. I don't know that you can stretch it beyond that. Uh, that he makes every extra point. I think that's a fair standard. That's tough to see. Uh, but what might be exciting is some of the changes that we had this weekend at the bottom of the 53-man roster. I don't know how many of those guys are actually going to play and be active. Uh, but you got Kadero Hodge. Now, that was somebody that a lot of people loved in the preseason. It's one of those – it follows the Josh Reynolds, the Nelson Spruce Nelson storyline. Nelson Spruce, yeah. Our, our preseason heroes. Kadero Hodge was obviously a preseason hero along with John Kelly. Maybe we'll see one of them this weekend. What do you guys think about some of the changes that they made this week? I hope I don't see them play. Okay. <laughs> I mean, thanks for killing that one. That was quick. Uh, honestly, I mean, Kadero Hodge. Uh, I guess he he's gonna they they, they did say he's gonna have a special teams role. Uh, I could be wrong, but Kadero Hodge is not the biggest guy out there. He's he doesn't have Mike Thomas's body like you know Mason loves. Uh, hey, he, Jojo Napson two point oh. Jojo yeah. Napson two point oh. Come we're on, gonna, we're gonna put two punt returners back there. What's his what's his role gonna be on special teams? Kadero Hodge gonna be a gunner. Uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see how they use him on special teams because I was kind of surprised when they brought him up. The sole reason was whoever they bring up has to play special teams, and I didn't think Cordell Hodge was going to be a special teamer. But I will not – I will be the last person to doubt what Coach Bones does. That guy, if anyone in this league has de- yeah. uh, deserved a benefit of the doubt of who they want running their stuff, it's, it's Bones. He does He does wonders with everyone who comes and plays with him. He knows what he wants. He gets the most out of these guys. So – I'm interested to see how, how it goes. Uh, I don't expect we see him in any packages. I think, what, we run 11 personnel exclusively every once in a while. We Pretty much. In. So I don't think Hodge is going to see any time as a wide receiver, but I'm interested to see what he does on special teams. Joey, how about you? Here's the thing that, here's the thing that I think is interesting is just in terms of the depth chart, obviously you got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks at the top. But and Josh Reynolds is your wide receiver four. Your wide receiver five and six are JoJo Natson and Kadero Hodge. So even if you want to go five wide, one of them has to get on the field as a wide receiver, unless you want to use tight ends, running backs. I find that interesting. What do you, what do you think, Joe? I know you're a big you're a big preseason guy. You were the Henry Krieger Coble fan. What do you think about the back end uh, changes this week? I, I think it's hard because you get really excited and then, then you kind of realize sure. at some point that you're never going to see these guys on the field. <laughs> I think. You know, I mean, we'll see them on the sidelines. We'll see them uh, walking around in a hat. But maybe. Maybe they don't even dress. Um, walking around in a hat, the NFL dream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not too excited. <laughs> but there, there we what's go. Interesting, yeah, that's pretty much it. I know, right? But we didn't even <laughs> mention Daryl Williams Jr. He comes over. I do like the fact that uh, if we're talking about preseason heroes – 
maybe the preseason zero was Daryl Williams, and we got another Daryl Williams that plays offensive tackle. I look forward to the confusion that Rams fans had with that. Oh, yeah. It will make me very I, happy. I will admit to being that guy because when I saw the yeah, I love it. I was on the I phone home. It. I'm looking at my phone, <laughs> and I usually don't do a lot of. I, I just look at Twitter on the phone. I don't do any like web search on my on my phone browser. I'm like, they actually bought that POS back, really? And then I realized, ah, it wasn't the shitty Daryl Williams. It's the shitty Daryl Williams I don't know anything about. So I'm okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. The the Rams sent a six round pick to the Cowboys for Javon Austin. Ah, why do we need him back? <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. 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 So. He's he's guilty. Of, I mean, he's he's uh, his biggest crime as as his parents incorrectly named him Daryl Williams. He shouldn't been like other like a rose by any other name. Right. Yeah. Well, he's a junior. Uh, the juniors, you know, <laughs> makes it a little easier to, to separate the two, right? If, if I were Daryl Williams, junior, lot- I would make sure you put the junior in the back of my jersey so people know that I'm not the other Daryl Williams who was not good. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Don't you don't you dare mistake. I'm um, not the Daryl Williams who cost us the Eagles game. Not that's not me. I am not. That is. We got we got a lot of juniors and twos. We got Todd Gurley the second. We got a JoJo Natson's a junior. Stephen Mitchell Jr. We got Roger Saffold the third. Larry Rose, formerly of the Rams, was the third. Now we got Daryl Williams Jr. We got John Johnson the third. We got who is Willie Mays the third? This roster is quite incorrect. Um, so we got a lot of juniors. We got a lot of thirds. We got a lot of suffixes. Uh, what we don't have is any bold predictions. Joey, hit me. I'm I'm so juiced. I'm so ready. Hit me with a with a classic Joey bold prediction right out the gate. I think uh, I think young Gerald is going to uh, have, oh, a, have a breakout game. Yeah, I, uh, I I think big things for young Gerald on Sunday. I think he could go for uh, 150 yards in receptions. Joey, Joey, Joe, I love it. <laughs> what you what you got for a bold prediction, Robo? There we go. Uh, so, if you don't know anything about the Chargers roster, they have a double, uh, double dual threat running back uh, tandem. He's and very Austin good. Pinkler and Melvin Gordon, they're both good at running the football and catching the football. And I'm my bold prediction is Todd Gurley will double their combined yardage from scrimmage. Todd Gurley's Total scrimmage yards will double with that 200 monster uh, the Chargers can bring into the Coliseum on, on Sunday. He's going to step up and say, nope, I'm twice as good as both your asses, and we're going to double it. So I'm looking for a big day from TG. TG is going to bring it in. And, and the defense gonna, will be stocked with those Chargers running back. Yeah, that would Absolutely. Um, I'm yeah. going to go with Which a weird is- one. I want this for the sake of the blog. I am going to go with a bold prediction that Jared Goff throws for less than 175 yards has two interceptions, and the Rams win by at least 21 points. I think because, that would be oh, phenomenal for the Gurley, Because Todd Gurley doubled those other two fools. Todd Gurley yeah. goes off. The offensive line plays well. The defense, yeah. I could totally see a pick six in this game, and people will lose their minds, and we'll be talking about Jared Goff again next week. Fun times. Do we all live for Rams pick sixes, hoping to see Marcus Peters do something else? Is I, that well, like, is it, is thing can it get any better, though? Oh, I, I want the same thing every single time. Every time he goes in, he just needs to do it. Every time. He's like a professional wrestler. I like, kind of, yeah, I was, was going to say, when he's I want him to do it coming out of the tunnel. Like, don't even wait for the big six. Marcus Peters! And he can come in and grab the trucks coming out of the tunnel. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Have a bunch of, like, kids from the... 
have a bunch of kids from the boys club come out with them and they can all grab their crotch and fall backwards with them. <laughs> I've been uh, actually uh, been getting a lot of heat about that up here because, you know, he, he, he did it in, in, as a nod to his cousin, Marshawn Lynch, and everyone's like, yo, he stole that yeah. from Marshawn. But yeah, I, I, you need to actually know what you're talking about before you get mad. He he did it for Marshawn. It was, you know, just It was a remix. Back. Yeah, yeah. It was they a, were, it was a yeah, interpretation that, that their team is garbage. So they're taking out of Marcus Peters. Uh, it was an ode. It was fine. Yeah, you know who liked it? Marshawn Lynch liked it. Come on, folks. exactly. It was great. That's pretty much it. That's wonderful. You know, who liked that? it? America. <laughs> Every everybody did. Uh, I was surprised we had our staff predictions. I was a little surprised that only one staffer. <laughs> Take the loss, and we got to give him credit. Tevin Broner put on the last week. The rest of us all to Rams win. Are, are we drinking too much Kool Aid? Yes, we yes. are. Yes, I did. Did you before the season? Did you not pick this game as a loss for the Rams, Joe? I have no idea. I'm doing way, I am doing way too many things in my life right now to have uh, any clue what I said two days ago, let uh, alone two months ago. I think before the season, you mentioned that they were going to lose this game. We just wanted to kick around our, our, our preseason staff predictions. But now, now I, I did. Kool-Aid might be two-fisted at this point. It could That's be. Okay, I, I, I would say this. I did have us losing when I originally, when the schedule came out, I had us losing to the Raiders. And I was going to keep that if Harden traded Khalil Mack. That was going to be my fun, hot take. And I think we saw in the first half against them, that I wasn't surprised that the Rams kind of got punched in the mouth early on and struggled to put, kind of put it together. And if they had had Khalil Mack, I had that as a loss. But John Gruden ruined it, and the Oakland Raiders ruined it. As well, you know who ruined, ruined the loss this week? Uh, Joey Bosa not there, so that's okay. That's what I did. I had it because of Joe Barksdale and Joey Bosa. But Joe Barksdale's out. That's why I changed, Rob. That's why I changed. See? I did <laughs> I am enjoying my prediction this year. I've done uh, – my themes have been poetry, rap lyrics. Uh, I've done all kinds of themes. This year, it's uh, recipes. And so for week one against the Oakland Raiders, against uh, the Black and Silver Pride, I went with squidding pasta. Last week against uh, the Cardinals, I went with – what was it? Some kind of poultry. And then this week for the renters, I've got a rent week chicken salad. So I'm enjoying that one. I, I like my theme this year. I'm having fun with it. Um, but overall, I liked our staff prediction. Shout out to Tevin for having the balls against it. Guys, who, who are we most worried about from the Chargers? Obviously, you, you talk about Joey Bosa's out. Uh, Melvin Gordon's going to be a go. Phillip Rivers is playing good football. Derwin James is having a hell of a rookie season. What are you guys most worried about from the Chargers this game? What do you think, Joey? I, I really like their I like their receivers, man. I think the receivers are great. I, I think the one guy that I think is – going to have a breakout season this year is, is Mike Williams because he had that really right. disappointing rookie season last year. I and mean, he's a top 10 pick. And I think he had a really great preseason and uh, I have him on my fantasy team. So I know a lot about him, but nice. um, I, I, I'm worried about him. And, and obviously, you know, Keenan Allen is, is, uh, is elite. So um, I, I, I think our corners are going to, are going to have a busy day. It's going to be going to be fun to see them with a really good competition and see what, uh, what our secondary is really all about. You know, I think it's going to be a big test. Oh, I mentioned his name earlier, uh, Mr. Eckler. Eckler? Eckler? Uh, that kid, I watched I watched some tape this week of their first two games. I 
couldn't find the full condensed, so I did like what like a bunch of highlights or whatever. But that kid, he's not very big, so if they hit him hard enough, he might not get back up. But he reminds me of a young Darren Sproles. He is he is shifty as hell and fearless, and uh, boy is he quick. And so if that kid, if that kid gets past the you know the front you know front seven, front four even, and gets on those linebackers, and he can. He can do some damage, and he's really good out of the backfield. I mean, that guy, he's uh, hes in Melvin Gordon as well. So the running backs. Uh, I watched him play last week against Buffalo. Melvin Gordon just streaks out to the flat on the end zone with a linebacker on his back uh, and pretty good coverage. And Phil Rivers put it right over the top of his shoulder. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, touchdown with, like, you know, four yards out. Almost what Higby had last week, but with some actually covering him. It was uh, – Pretty impressive to watch the running backs go. So that's kind of a double guy I'm looking for, you know, that running back combo. But that uh, that little guy is, is damn good. Hey, Joe, I got a question for you. What college did sure. Austin Eakley go to? I don't know. I could I could lie and stretch this out while I Google it. Um, oh, I know sorry. his I parents. Thought, uh, the what? I, I was just going to say he went to a really weird school. So I, I, was, I thought maybe you, you knew all about it. But uh, go ahead. I didn't. I mean, I, th- I think it was Western State, Colorado. But I have, yes, sir. Well, it's one of my favorites when you Google things real quickly. No, I had no idea. I was completely blindsided by that. Uh, I, I have nothing good to say about Western State, Colorado. I feel I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the good people uh, out there. Where, you know where what? did Morgan Fox go? Was it Morgan Fox? Went to Pueblo? Yes. It was another little... I, I, I think it's fun to learn about all these universities we weren't aware of. You know, we're learning about education. Here. This is the education podcast. It's all about schools. Oh, maybe that's the, the, the Chargers leading rusher at the moment right now. 116 yards compared to Melbourne towards 92. So maybe that needs to be our, our, our new thing, our, our small school guy of the week, or something much better than that. Joey, help me sound less stupid. Uh, something where we, we where we recognize somebody from, like the Western State Colorado Mountaineers and their their wonderful yeah. stadium, the Mountaineer Bowl, that holds, gosh, it just holds so many hundreds of people. Uh, and we recognize how wonderful it is to be in Division II uh, in the conference that they're absolutely in, the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, the RMAC. Gosh, there's yes. so much to learn here. Black Hills, Chadron mm-hmm. State. Oh, Dixie well, we also State. learned about can... John, John Franklin Myers is from a really small school, too. Yeah. Oh, Stephen F. Best? Austin. Now, now, see, that's where I can start talking. Stephen A. Austin, I have some experience in. When you come back to this RMAC, this is where I don't know what I'm talking about. Regis University in Denver, the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. Park, I think you've tapped into something beautiful. Does it get any smaller than Cheney, Washington? I got to bring it back to my boy. What is Cheney, Washington? Cheney, Washington is a tiny little town outside of Spokane, Washington, where the Eastern Washington Eagles call home. That is the world's smallest, shittiest town. It's got one road through. Uh, they've got nothing of note there. Um, it's it's awful, but they do have a pretty good football program. So hats off to you, Cheney. What a beautiful ode you've just written for Cheney, Washington. It's, it's Washington. awful. Oh, man, it's awful. It's, uh, as someone who went there for four years to, uh, you know, spend time with, with, with the kid while she's got, you know, moving around and football games, whatever, it is the it – is, it is everything it sounds like it is. You know, fun fact, the Seahawks used to hold their training camps back in Cheney, Washington, until Walter Jones uh, put a stop to that. 
Joey, one thing we're looking at this weekend uh, that we've talked about quite a bit before that we started talking about at the beginning of the game that changed throughout is attendance. Obviously, the tickets were incredibly cheap going into Sunday. The crowd was late to arrive. Some of the pictures early on didn't look great. And then the crowd filled out, and it was a pretty good crowowd, a raucous crowd. Uh, tickets are much more expensive, albeit uh, still the cheapest throughout the season uh, from what I'm looking at right now. Still tickets going for $30 uh, on StubHub. Things are going to get more interesting after this, but what, what do you think we're talking about in terms of attendance? If, if they put together another full crowd this weekend, one that might not arrive and get into their seats until the second quarter, but are we talking about the idea that maybe the Los Angeles Rams have finally gotten enough attention where they can pull in Campbell fans in L.A. this week? You know, today I saw my first Rams flag on a truck driving down the street. Beautiful. And, uh, and you know, when you go to the supermarket now, there's still just – there's Ram sippy cups and decals for your truck. And, uh, you know, like I got my Tostitos with a Rams logo and I just, it feels like people are talking about them a lot more than uh, maybe, you know, I think it it takes, it takes LA to kind of really, um, a while to get, to get used to to something they're going to give a shit about. And, uh, I, th- I think they're getting, and I, th- I think there is a lot of fun intrigue where the two LA teams are kind of playing against each other. Cause all the charger fans will come to, I think it's going to feel, um, I think it's going to feel different, and I think it, hopefully everybody just gets there as the game starts. But um, I just don't want it to be embarrassing. I'm just I'm tired of of, of seeing all those empty spots in the Coliseum. I mean, every time they show a clip, you just see all those kind of orange and red seats, and just kind of the bummer. I don't know. I don't like it. You know, you know who doesn't think that that's a uh, a rivalry is Michael Brockers. <laughs> he has quote today about. Uh, Rich Hammond has this tweet, and Michael Brockers said that, uh, you know, in, in talking about the fight for LA, he said there's there's no battle for the city. I'm, I still think of them as San Diego. I still say San Diego Chargers, and there's no conflict. Michael Brockers, he's not in the fight for LA. wrong though. He, that, yeah. th- that's the thing that's weird about this. It's not like like when we talk about the Rams in attendance, we're talking about you know LA. No, but no. Even now, nobody's still buying into the idea that the Chargers are in L.A. It's really the Chargers. Strange. They're they're an Orange County team, right? They you know, they were in San Diego. Um, a lot of Orange County people followed them, even when they were when there was no football there, and people would go down. And they still practice and train down there. They're they're kind of Orange County's team, which is which is fine because there's a little there's a little love hate between Orange County and L.A. County. Dodgers, Angels, uh, sure. you know, Ducks, Kings. Chargers Rams. It's just it's just how LA is done. The, the, old, the Clippers of the NFL. The old there Mission Viejo Chargers. It's going to be weird. It's and obviously it's one of those things where we can't kind of ignore it because they're they're going to share the stadium with us in two seasons and you know as until something happens they're not going anywhere. They're not going to have their own stadium in a different part of LA. They're not uh, leaving LA to go somewhere else. It's just it's one of those things that I thought would have. Maybe not would have, but but at least with some wins and some hype, would have gotten more people on board. I guess maybe we'll have to see how things shape up for this game, playing in the Coliseum and pregame with the tailgating, is if you know they start to really develop a base at this point. Because uh, th- like we talked about, this is a legitimate team. They've got they've got legitimate 2018 hopes and expectations. And if that's not going to bring out fans and if wins aren't going to bring out fans, nothing. Well, I still expect that to be the case. If the Chargers put together a winning season and make the playoffs, I still think they're going to find new fans in LA. I still think Vinny Bonsignori put together a story at the athletic not too long ago that I'm going to read when we get done. Uh, 
about the idea that there's more than enough fans to go around in L.A. I totally agree. It's just weird that we haven't seen more of it developed to this point. And what we've got, like Joey, you said you were there at the game. They can fill out StubHub, but that's not an NFL stadium. And I'm just shocked that uh, there hasn't been more of a reception in L.A. for the Chargers at this point. Yeah, I think I think for both teams, I think there just needs to be some um, like some tradition of winning or, or or some bit of a drama. Like I think one thing the Rams could really be uh, fortunate to do is to win in the fourth quarter. I think if they do that, I, I think there'll be a lot of casual football fans in LA like looking at this team, going, "Oh, they're fun to watch." Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see going to be interesting. Uh, we'll obviously be paying attention to them over the course of the season, see how they do and see if they're picking up fans and see what things uh, change over the course of the season. We get closer to the playoffs, but overall it's going to be an interesting game. One last topic before we get to college football and get out of here. We got a specific TV show to talk about. We get nearing the hour mark for this podcast. Uh, the NFL decided on their Super Bowl halftime show. Apparently uh, has it been made official. I didn't see if it was. It is Doesn't not really official, matter. but it seems like the, the, that's what's going to happen. It's probably what's going to happen. The NFL is having a Super Bowl in Atlanta in 2018. And I don't know if, if listeners have paid attention to uh, their existence and have been able to hear things again over the last two decades. Atlanta is a specific city with a specific musical culture, and the NFL had an opportunity, let's be honest, to exploit that for its own gain, and they decided not to. They decided to make the halftime show Maroon 5. Joey, I don't know what to say because that Atlanta musical culture is one that I enjoy a lot and I could talk about probably – we could have talked about the whole podcast about Atlanta music over the last two decades. Instead, we're supposed to talk about Maroon 5. I don't have many words for that. You go. <laughs> well, I, I think it shows how cool the NFL is. <laughs> and, you know, if you, if you really set it up, it's almost like they're like the Ted Cruz of politicians. And they have all these ambitions to be great. But when it really comes to being likable and doing that, the cool thing, they kind of um, they, they throw moves like Jagger at you. And in one way, I think it's a smart move because they usually have these really just down the middle, fastball, just nothing on it, choices where it's like, oh, it's the who, it's Tom Petty, it's Bruce Springsteen, it's just dad rock. Or they'll, they'll, they'll try to have just big acts like, you know, um, Lady Gaga and, um, and, and Beyonce, which is like, okay, that all makes sense. Like the number, you could kind of run the numbers. This just feels kind of um, uninspired because they could have got a direction but I think if they would have you know got together outcast or just done this medley of uh, different you know hip-hop you know guys like Ludacris and Usher and guys like that I I don't I don't think they want to go there I don't think they care I think they're just looking at like money and Pepsi and if it comes with like having a cool moment for like pop culture and society like I don't think these like old owners of the NFL teams is running you know Roger Goodell who's making this big decision like I don't think they care. I think their soul checked out decades ago. And this is just proof that like, this is really who the NFL is. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I'll say that's weird is, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. I'll try to remember to link this in the story is the, the first, the, the one that changed things was the 1991 uh, Super Bowl five, 
before that, halftime shows were just kind of a waste of time. And in fact, the one that yeah. they had done the year before was the Southern Marching, and don't get me wrong, I love the Southern Marching Band, Human Jukebox, uh, Nickel State University Marching Band. It was in New Orleans. They had had multiple Super Bowls in New Orleans where they had the tributes to Duke Ellington and tributes to Louis Armstrong and all these things that, you know, uh, filled for New Orleans until that point that made sense because nobody cared about it. But in 1991, they did one in Tampa, Florida that combined New Kids on the Block and characters from Disney. And it was the first mm-hmm. time that the NFL figured out, wait a second, we can turn this into a commercial. And it was, ex- it was mm-hmm. exactly what they wanted. It was like, oh, shit, money and people. We're good at those mm-hmm. things. We need to do this. <laughs> we need to work. And all of a sudden, they started. Yeah. And two, two years later was Michael Jackson. Two years after now that, they did, and, and it just blew up. And so the, it, it's almost like when we talk about the National Anthem at games and people assume that it's always yeah. been this way. It hasn't. This is a relatively new thing that we've been tinkering with. Uh, and I just found it strange. Robbo, you're from the Pacific Northwest. I was talking to Joy about this earlier. This would be like having uh, a Super Bowl in Seattle in the year like 2002 kind of after grunge had kind of died out and instead of you know not necessarily paying homage but they could have taken full advantage of it but instead you know uh ladies and gentlemen paul mccartney or something and like, Wait a <laughs> no I, I've, got a, I've got a better one for you that'd be like having the super bowl in seattle here now and macklemore do the halftime show sure <laughs> right let me just let me just wipe this down for you and we'll ladies and it. gentlemen the voice of the seattle seahawks sierra right <laughs> yeah uh maroon five um you know who my i think someone mentioned this this might be a play towards the generic and maybe the female audience uh but my wife loved bruno mars uh halftime show she loved it he's it great like the best one ever and made her happy and this seems Right up that wheelhouse. Now, well, here's I'm not what I'd say too. Five, but I kind of am. I, here's what I'd say. I bet this halftime show is going to be awesome. Just like Bruno Mars, just like Katy Perry, just like Lady Gaga. I thought all those were awesome, and I bet this is great. But it just it's 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 one of those great things that just comes from the very scripted, very crafted, very comfortable NFL style of things. And it, obviously, the foil for this is the NBA All-Star Game. If the NBA All-Star Game was in Atlanta, all of us would turn our brains inside out at how fucking great it would be. And nobody's going <laughs> to do that this way about the NFL halftime show. That is the difference between two leagues. Look at how they handle social media. Look how they handle yeah. everything, right? They promote their players and, and that, mm. that culture. And the NFL wants to pr- promote you know, old rich white guy culture. Oh, yeah, and we'll play some <laughs> football too. Here's here's one that I'm a bit surprised at. Britney Spears has never done a halftime show. She was a she was a feature in 2001. Timberlake. Here, right? How about this, how about this lineup? This is this is 2001, and this is a beautiful encapsulation of everything 2001 America. Uh, Raymond James Stadium for uh, Super Bowl 35 for people who don't remember anything before 2016. Uh, that game was between the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Giants. It was a thriller, 34 to seven. Won by the Ravens. Uh, your lineup at halftime. Your lineup at, ha- at halftime. Aerosmith, Sync, Britney Spears, Mary J. Blige, and Nelly. Smear it on my face and walk away. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. I watched that halftime show many times. But don't we all? I've got the. I've got yeah. it on vinyl. Um, boys. Why, why wouldn't you not? 
oh, tough game coming this weekend uh, for the Rams. Tougher games coming in the college schedule. Now, Joey, you had some opinions. I was a little scared last week. You had some college football opinions. Do you have more opinions about college football this week? Um, I mean, are my are my opinions ever ever uh, ever correct? Are, are they are they proving to like how did how did um how was that with my Oregon prediction? What do you think about Oregon right now, Joe? It was great. It was beautiful. Old Justin Herb, we got to call him Herb or Herbie. We need obviously he's going to be your guy. You have to own him for the rest of the year. Yeah, no. We have to come up with some kind of some kind of nickname for him. Herb Jerk. No, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely picked him randomly, and uh, I, I definitely did. <laughs> he's he's my dude. I, I remember I went to a um, a Rams Panthers game when I was on this road trip, and I was with my wife, mm-hmm. and we we're just like last row in like Bank of America Stadium. Uh, the game Sam Bradford blew out his knee. Blew out his ACL, of course. And uh, and so I was just trying to get like my wife into the game, like you know, hey, do you have a favorite player? And uh, and just the guy that kept catching the ball was like Greg Olson. So she just randomly was like, yeah, that guy. Like he's like on the cover of the bro- of the of the program. And so now like I always have to pick Greg Olson in my fantasy team because it's my wife's favorite player, just randomly. And I kind of feel like I'm that way with uh, with Herb. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna write it because I think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll end up uh, being the new Rams quarterback if we get rid of Jared Goff because he's not throwing. You don't need to get rid of Jared Goff. You know who Justin Herbert could come in and replace? Sean Mannion. Yeah. Sean Mannion. Fourth, fourth round pick, Justin Herbert. Huh? Back up. No. Come on. He's going to be first oh, round. Like first round. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, he, certainly, he certainly looks like a really strong prospect, obviously, early on. I do like the fact that this is a, now the Joey College Football Opinion is the Justin Herbert show. What you got, Robbo? <laughs> obviously, you're a Washington UCLA guy. What else do you think uh, about college football? Well, I think that the Bruins won't lose this week to a – Well, hold on. So that's a well, good, that's good news. Uh, they're not playing. They got to buy. Well, no, yeah, let's not no make game. assumptions. Right? Uh, I mean, it's different. <laughs> All I know is no matter what happens, they will still be ahead of the USC Trojans and the standings like they are right now. And the conference standings, <laughs> the Trojans have a conference loss and the Bruins don't. And so I'm going to enjoy this little piece of harmony while I can because my team is garbage. Uh, and I'm actually kind of having fun watching the Washington Huskies ranked 10th in the nation. Uh, yeah. really, the, the fan base really pissed off at their quarterback. This town is mad at both number threes. They are not mm. happy with Russell Wilson, and they're not happy with the 47-year-old uh, signal caller for the Washington Huskies. Uh, so well, he didn't play well. Did you, did you watch the game last week, Washington-Utah? Yeah, I watched part of it, uh, and that's, I mean, they're, they're, they're not happy with the, with the kid, and they're calling for, yeah, I don't know his name, the backup. Um, that, you know, everyone wants to see him just move on from the 87th year senior and go on to the, the youngster. Uh, you know, I get it because they're tenth in the nation and they still have a shot if they went out to get into the playoff if things fall their way. Right. So they, they don't want to screw this up. And they did win at Utah, which is a tough game for those guys. Utah is usually traditionally for the last handful of years they're pretty good, especially right. at home. And they went down and you know it wasn't impressive, but they still took care of business. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what the Huskies do this week. They have the Arizona State Sun Devils this week, uh, seven thirty p.m. That's game here in game. Washington. So people, that's people a really fun game with Herman. We with get, Herm. We get, yeah, we get Herm here. We play to win the game, so it, it should be good. We'll see how it goes. That's, that's the extent of my college football. 
Um, I'm a little I'm a little surprised they haven't worked in Jake Hayner a little more. That's the backup you were alluding to. Uh, he's from the San Francisco area, so he's a Cali kid. Uh, recruited everywhere up and down the West Coast, pretty much. Uh, not USC though, um, and hasn't really gotten a look when you got a lot of programs that are doing uh, two quarterback looks to start the season. Um, things got started tonight. I'm a degenerate, so I actually watched quite a bit of Tulsa at Temple. How many How many people do you guys know? that watched more than zero seconds of Tulsa at Temple tonight. Do you think it's more than one? Do you think you know anybody else besides me I, that I watched a good friend a who is a Temple. I, I know a oh, buddy God. who just – it's oh, all Temple. A Temple football Facebook feed is just Temple, 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 and he just watches no, every game, and he lie. puts it on Facebook and him in front that of the TV crying. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no. That, that, that thing had like a, a negative rating tonight, that game. Uh, I watched it. And you know what the sad thing is? I watched it and I liked it. Tomorrow night, um, Florida Atlantic starts at UCF. That'll be on ESPN. Penn State at Illinois on Fox Sports 1. Washington State at USC on ESPN following the FAU-UCF game. I don't recommend those to anybody. They're going to be all painful. I'm going to watch all three Saturday. It's going to be great. Washington Washington State's going to take care of business against the Trojans, right? We're going to have the 4 State. You don't want to actually watch that. I do want to watch. You want to watch? Yeah. I want. I just. I could root for the Cougs in this instance. I mean, yeah. You, you root for them from the box score. This is one yeah, of those well, passive rootings. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will not be watching any of that game. No. You shouldn't. No. You absolutely shouldn't. You have better things to do with your time. Uh, I'm probably going to watch all of it. Saturday, uh, Georgia Missouri to start things off. That's a yeah. funky SEC game early on. Uh, Notre Dame at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is not a bad team right now. They get Notre Dame at home. Yep. Notre Dame's right now ranked number eight. Could make some noise as we get closer to as long as they can get. They got a weird schedule. Notre Dame is not like some of these other teams that are right, like Alabama, Georgia, riding some uh, easier schedules. Notre Dame's got, obviously, they got Wake Forest this week. They got Stanford, Virginia Tech, uh, what would have been Florida State and USC. Tough games uh, later on that maybe aren't as tough as I thought they were. But Notre Dame's got a tough skill. It'd be interesting to see if they can get past this one because it's away from Indiana. Um, Nebraska-Michigan, classic game on Fox Sports 1. That could be really fun because it's the old it's the old stuff from the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s, old Nebraska-Michigan, Rob. Joey, you guys remember Nebraska-Michigan sure. used to be one of the best games yeah. in college football? Yeah. It is not, it yeah, is not anywhere that. near one of the best games in college football. It, it used yeah. to be pure college football porn, and uh, now it's not. Uh, so that's the majority of your early schedule. You put the middle of the day, uh, the South starts to take over Texas A&M at Alabama. That'll be at CBS. That's a huge game. Clemson at Georgia tech. That one's interesting because it's Clemson away. And Paul Johnson does not like to play offensive football the way that most offensive coaches does. If you've never seen Georgia tech football, you should watch it. He runs a triple option. It's very strange. It will make you question why this man likes to run the ball 50 times a game and pass it three times. And then it'll make you wonder why your team doesn't do it and that's what's kind of fun about college football kansas state at number 12 west virginia uh the combination of david Phillips, receiver and greer the quarterback for what virginia is coming to an nfl near you you might as well get them in now uh, if you're not going to watch the texas a&m alabama game late you get into some funkiness mississippi state at kentucky if you want to get weird we can do montez sweat against josh allen that one's going to be fun. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. If you do cocaine and you live in a panhandle, I don't care which state it is, 
that is the game for you. Uh, <laughs> and then you get, <laughs> it doesn't you pick a state. Pick if a you're a panhandle yeah. cokehead, this is your college football game. And then you get into the funkiness of the Pac-12 at night. Uh, Stanford, Oregon is going to be the headliner. That's eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock on the West Coast on ABC. Well, well, Some well, of the other funkiness. Don't downplay Michigan State, Indiana. I mean that's, that's yeah. one of, everyone's going to be watching. The problem with Michigan Indiana State is that they're all it, it's not even about Indiana because it's more about Michigan State's bipolarism. The thing is, there's too much other stuff to watch. You got Florida, Tennessee. Florida, Tennessee used to be one of the headline games in the SEC. That's on ESPN. Nobody cares about that nationally right now because both teams are just in a free fall. Uh, you got Stanford, Oregon. That's a headliner out of the Pac-12. You got Arizona State at number 10, Washington. You got Wisconsin at Iowa. And Wisconsin obviously lost last week, so they're pulling out of the Big Ten uh, race right now. You got New Mexico State, UTEP. I know that's not a headliner, but that's funkiness for alcoholics. We're having a good, we're having a good college football schedule for alcoholics, <laughs> cokeheads. I just need to find something for the meth heads, and we got a we got a full <laughs> Sunday, boys. I love it. There you go. That's the that's the way to wrap it up. Meth heads, that's the yeah, perfect heads watching it. shitty college um, football. Joey, talk us out. We were talking about a specific TV show. Is it Sharp Objects or Sharp Objects? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, you know, uh, I, I did watch Sharp Objects and uh, kind of became obsessed with it. I thought it was great. I think you should, if you haven't seen it, check it out on HBO Go. You can see all the episodes. Um, the show I'm really in right now is on AMC. It's at Law 49. I don't know if you've seen that. but um, I haven't even heard of it. What is it? What Say that again. It's called Lodge 49, and it's been described as, like, just an indescribable show. Like, it just kind of has – kind of does its own thing, and it's about kind of like a Masonic lodge. And uh, it's about these kind of, like, you know, loners and grifters and kind of, like, you know, plumbers and stuff. And they're going to get drunk at this secret society thing, and it kind of has, like, mystical stuff. But it's really good, and it sounds really weird. But um, it's kind of like a, like a laid-back, kind of Lebowski vibe kind of um, – I don't know. It, it kind of has – it's, it's like a Thomas Pynchon novel. It's really kind of strange and weird, which they don't really – Oh, yeah, yeah like TV, The Crying of Lot 49. You, you had me yeah, at Loners and Drifters. Yeah, hmm. it, it, it's um, pretty interesting. There's not a lot of shows like it, so uh, if you have a chance, check it out. It ends up on Netflix or whatever, or you have a – I don't know, but it's a good one. That, that's my pick I of know the nothing week. about it. Uh, I know that's another thing we need to do. The Joey pick of the week. What do you got, Rob? Uh, I, mean, I just finished watching Sharp Objects this last week, uh, so I'm, I'm good. And I'm back into. I hate to admit this, I do a little reality here and there, and I'm I'm into Big Brother. I love that. I want to be on that show uh, myself. And so we're uh, wrapping up with Big Brother this week. They're down to the final four. They're gonna be voting people out next week. Is the finale? I watched, I watched it all summer. I'm addicted to it. I've watched every season. Uh, so yeah, I, I hate to, that's my guilty pleasure. I hate to admit it, but I'm, I'm kind of a big brother fan, horror fanboy. I would like to be on the show, big Rob out there, you know, shaking shit up. Like I can do it, but the problem is they don't take old, ugly people. They take young, pretty people. So my, my time is over for that show. Oh, you're an old, pretty person. You could, you'd be perfect for big brother. I'd be the token old guy who'd be voted out the first five minutes. Like, all right, let's, grandpa's out. We'll party after he leaves. That's so rare. I don't know how this show works because I've never seen Big Brother. Uh, one question: I have never even heard of Lodge Forty Nine. Does it have to do with the crying of Lot Forty Nine at all? You meant you mentioned uh, Thomas Pynchon, that's why I bring it up here. Yes, yes, it pays um, homage to that and like themes and stuff. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Are you guys Thomas Pinchon fans at all? See, I read too much. So I, uh, yeah. I'm a fan. Uh, Gravity's Rainbow in the motherfucking house. I finished uh, The Great British Baking Show this week on Netflix. Yes. Uh, I've watched every single episode. It's a beautiful, beautiful show. I Love also it. hate to bake, and I hate desserts which makes it really strange. I don't know why I love this damn show, but it's incredible. Did either of you guys see this uh, late the, season? The dynamic of Paul Hollywood no, and Mary Barry is amazing, and it's something to watch. I love it. Well, here's, here's what's interesting. This was the new season in Britain where Mary Berry's no longer with the show, and they changed hosts. Robin, yeah, that's, I'll take that's, your silence to mean that you're interested. Boys, that's where we end it. We'll see you guys next week. Rams Chargers, it's going to be a fun one. Go bake yourself something. Don't feed it to me. Go watch some Lodge 49. Do not watch Big Brother. Whatever you do, don't watch Big Brother. Love You're it. too good. No, we love you. It's too late. Yeah. Go away. We out. We out. We love you, Mary Berry. Come back to us. In our hearts, you'll always be scrummy. We want more! Hello, lady. Julianne Moore, that is. Can you tell us about your first on-screen kiss? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but we actually practiced in the dressing room. <laughs> Next, Rachel. Rachel Ray, new season today at 1 on NBC5. Tonight, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, tonight, only on NBC5. Ellen's all new with Wanda Sykes. Plus, Beth Pears from the neighborhood. Try to keep it down low, because Clint Eastwood is our neighbor, and he goes to bed right around now. Ellen, new season today at 3 on NBC5. Tonight, the first debate. We've seen this country come together. The fight for the Senate. We want to do great things. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke face off in their first high-stakes debate. Decision 2018, tonight, only on NBC5. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.